0: Are tackling some of the world's biggest social challenges so that you can learn from those who have been there before, helping you in your decision making and action taking. If we take no action to address climate change, the estimates suggest that it will cost the world's economy 178 trillion US dollars by 2070. And yet, if we do have a go at moving our energy mix to renewables, to use electric vehicles, to increase energy efficiency in existing and future buildings. The ILO estimate that over 18 million new jobs could be created. There are questions about if, how and when we transition to a greener economy, make our companies and our consumption zero carbon, and to stop that pumping that carbon out into our atmosphere and exacerbating climate change. These questions are for another podcast. Today, we're going to talk in depth about how we make sure these 18 million new jobs are open and available to everyone who wants one. We have historic bias, with 85 to 90% of all coal miners and oil workers being men, for example. So how do we make sure we don't make these biases again? How do we make sure we don't leave anyone behind? Meet my social impact pioneers, Joachim Roth and Savannah Bosman both from the World Benchmarking Alliance. They are leading on what they call, and others, the just transition. A just transition being a way for substantial benefits of a green economy transition shared widely, while also supporting those who stand to lose economically, be they countries, regions, industries, communities, workers or consumers. Joachim has devoted the past five years to helping deepen understanding of what a just transition means to business and also to our communities and how we might get to a place where everyone can benefit from a greener economy. While Savannah works day in, day out analysing and examining how businesses are helping to reduce their climate impacts, while also ensuring people are being upskilled and included in the massive business opportunities arising. Today, together, they join me to provide their pragmatic insight this conversation will not be all jargon and theory, but practical. How do you do a just transition? The challenges and risks of being a laggard and deep insight into how a business can utilize principles of a just transition to make a stronger, more resilient company with a skilled workforce in good quality, long-term jobs. So without further ado, Joakim, Savannah, welcome.
1: Thank you, Katie. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you, Katie. Super excited to be here as well. Ah, delighted to have you. Thank you for making the time for us. And I wanted to start our conversation today just to find out about what you're working on right now. What what is sort of top of mind? Savannah, perhaps would you mind going first?
2: Sure. Thanks, Katie. Um, In terms of what we are working on right now, I am a part of the research team and we have just finished our oil and gas iteration um, of our benchmark. So we've just done the assessment of 100 oil and gas companies and assessed them on the ACT methodology and the social assessments, which is our just transition methodology. And we are now starting to work on our electric utilities benchmark, where we are now assessing 81 companies in the EU sector, which is very exciting. And um, this iteration is going to be released in November. Um, Joachim, I don't know if you want to add what you're working on right now.
1: Thanks, Savannah. Yeah. So as Savannah said, uh, we have the Just Transition methodology at WBA um, that was co-developed before I actually joined WBA. So I'm working as climate policy lead. I joined WBA in September. So this methodology was co-developed. And that's the one uh, Savannah was referring to with the ILO and other experts in this field, where we're measuring essentially just transition in a number of areas of assessment, looking at social dialogue, how companies are planning for it, the types of decent jobs they're creating and so on. In in my role, I don't sit in the research team, but I sit in the engagement team. And specifically, I work more with policymakers, multilateral organizations such as the UN. And I I try to see what insights we can get from our Just Transition assessments and what what does this mean for companies, but also how do you translate that for uh, policymakers? So three things I'm working on at the moment. One of them is a, a business brief on how to operationalize the ILO Just Transition Guidelines. So these guidelines were developed in 2015 and they show what are the key areas that governments and companies should focus on in terms of implementing a just transition, whether that's reskilling, job creation, social dialogue, and so on. So within this brief, I'm actually, uh, it's still under development, but we'll uh, release it before COP. And the idea is to show how companies can operationalize these ILO guidelines. And we're working with different partners on this, including the ILO, but UNDP, Grantham Institute, and the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. And just briefly, there's three key things. The first one is that we're seeing that incre- there's, a, there's a, a strong business rationale for just transition. And I can, I can touch on this later in the podcast today. But also, we're seeing more and more mandatory and voluntary disclosure requirements. So these requirements are asking companies to come up with clear transition plans. So how are they planning to align with 1.5? But we're also seeing just transition being weaved into some of these disclosure requirements. So our argument is to say it's a smart move for companies to start thinking ahead about just transition because they will be required increasingly to develop these just transition plans. And then we talk more about how companies can operationalize this, so work with governments and social partners in doing so. And finally, we also show with methodologies such as WBA and other existing methodologies, how can companies actually track the progress they're making? What are best practices out there? So that's one of the ongoing projects. Also, exciting to see that we are, uh, WBA joined a global deal initiative end of last year, which is an initiative that was launched by Sweden, the ILO, and the OECD, which is focusing one on one aspect of just transition, which is social dialogue. And it's a multi stakeholder partnership with governments, but also um, with companies and trade unions. And the idea is for these stakeholders to collaborate more together to craft more effective human rights due diligence legislation, but also uh, work more on social dialogue. So I'm trying to weave in the just transition part into that partnership. Um, and finally, I'm also uh, working on some work uh, at the, at the UN, le- UN level to see what are the different methodologies we can uh, develop to track progress. So these are sort of three key projects. And uh, it's just really exciting to be working with Savannah and, and, and seeing that we are collaborating uh, very closely between the research and the engagement teams.
0: You guys are busy. <laughs> you may me feel tired just listening to you. Um, Savannah, I wanted to sort of bring you back in at this point. Clearly, we sort of, we dive straight into the deep end there. Like, what is it? And in terms of like just transition and methodologies and and trying to measure it. But can we just take a perhaps a step back What's brought you to this, perhaps, point of focus, the fact that we're talking about just transition? What is it? Why is it important to business? Why should they even care about this sort of stuff? Savannah?
2: Sure. Thanks, Katie. So a part of WBA's mission is to assess um, 2,000 companies, which we believe are the most influential to achieve our sustainable development goals, and WBA-generated before I joined um, the Just Transition methodology, which was piloted in 2021. And this was, this methodology came about from interacting with lots of key partners. And we created an advisory group to kind of understand and realize what are the key principles for a Just Transition. And this is why I think WBA's methodology is quite diverse because it's got to the point where it's all of these really important and influential businesses kind of coming together and discussing what are the key uh, focuses in a just transition. And some of the indicators that our methodology talks about, the first one is commitment to stakeholder engagement. So basically ensuring that all stakeholders are included and conversation and transparent dialogue has actually happened. The second is just transition planning. So actually adequately planning for a just transition, which Includes all aspects of justice for those who are going to be negatively affected from transitioning to a net zero economy. The third one is creating green and decent jobs. So ensuring that the jobs that are taken are actually met with decent and they are essentially contributing towards a transition to a net zero economy. The fourth is retaining and upskilling. So basically retaining our workers ensuring that they are reskilled and repurposed. The next one is ensuring that there is social protection and impact management. How are we going to care for these workers? Is there remuneration that is considered? And the sixth one is advocacy for policy and regulations. Um, That is the key indicators for our methodology. And we encourage companies to use these six indicators to adequately plan for a transition and ensuring that it's got a human-centered approach.
0: Beautiful. And Joachim, did you want to add anything to that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I think Savannah touched really well on all the key elements of our methodology and how it's really showing that just transition is more than, you know, one aspect. And and I think that's something we're seeing from companies is that they tend to focus on really one aspect, say maybe green job creation or reskilling. But it's it's really about a, a wide encompassing view of what is their plan? Like, how are they actually engaging with the unions, how meaningful that engagement is? And I think just to take a step back, as you were saying, Katie, when we talk about just transition, it has a lot of this term has a this concept because this this came out of the trade union movement in the 80s. It's grown since then. And and since then, when it started, it was very much a worker-focused concept, but it has grown to become more than that. It's not just about workers, it's about local communities and, and with broader impacts. But I think that also that's a good thing, of course, but it also makes it more challenging for companies to properly understand, okay, how do I actually implement this? Because companies are engaging with just suppliers, with uh, various other local uh, companies that they have to engage with as part of the value chain. So it's a complex issue, but it's to say that for us, just transition is really how do you have a transformative view for a company that aligns with all the elements that uh, Savannah touched on? And yeah, personally, this topic has been something I've been thinking about and working on for a while previously to WBA um, and actually uh, interestingly I when I worked at ISD a think tank in the climate space and I worked in their energy team we also thought about how do you develop this kind of monitoring framework for governments uh, so still a work in progress but uh, this is really what caught my attention is that there's there's a lot of pledges out there there's a lot of you know companies or governments talking about it but I think we need to shift to this implementation phase and that's where the data, comes in and we can actually see that behind these pledges there's sometimes really gaps and, and, and we want to ensure that our data can lead to effective uh, changes in implementation.
0: And we're going to stick with that implementation but first and um, for anybody who's listening to this I will make sure that I put links into the words that sit alongside the conversation so that you can go and find those six key indicators you can take this away and, and really use this as a kind of a guide in some respects, Savannah and, and Joachim are giving us that kind of overview of like how to use this this work, this thinking that they've already done so thoroughly for us. Uh, so, Joachim, sticking with you on that implementation that you were just talking about, we're going to deep dive into like the, the how bit now. Perhaps first to start that implementation piece, what are the challenges and the opportunities of a just transition?
1: It's a great question. Uh, thanks for asking, Katie. I think maybe I'll, I'll say the first thing is that. Behind every challenge, there's an opportunity. So it's kind of like a a coin, and there's two sides to it. Um, So maybe that's just to to start with that. In terms of the opportunities, I think the first key one is to say that just transition. So again, shifting from one more extractive made model to a more transformative economy, and not just about shifting from fossil fuels to say renewables, but really how do we ensure the workers' communities are, are are protected, have decent jobs? There's a real economic and business case to be made here, and I think. That's something that's starting to be, become more and more understood. But the message has to be adopted by more companies. Um, there's we briefly mentioned this in the brief that we're developing, but there's other research out there showing that companies that have more effective social dialogue are more likely and that plan for just transition are more likely to have employee retention, you know, a better company culture. They're more likely maybe to see innovation, long-run growth, all these things matter uh, for a company. So There's a strong business case, and I think that's an opportunity. The second point I'd say is that, and uh, and there's modeling showing this from groups like the ILO or the International Energy Agency, which provides different energy scenarios, there's a net green job creation potential. And I think a lot of people know this now. uh, And this goes beyond just renewables. There's a lot of jobs that can be created in terms of regenerative agriculture or in terms of circular economy. or how do you rehabilitate mining sites and so on? So it's wide ranging. Maybe and I'll ch- I'll just mention this. There's a challenge there is what kind of jobs are we talking about and how decent are these jobs compared to former jobs in the extractive or, or fossil fuel based economy? And I'll touch on this in a second. And then another opportunity as well is actually a lot of the skills that fossil fuel workers or, or workers in a more extractive economy have are applicable to a new more regenerative, or a low-carbon economy. Uh, So, for example, REN21, which is uh, advocating and showcasing through research the the state of play uh, of how renewable energy is uh, being adopted in different sectors and so on, shows that 70% of oil and gas workers have skills that are compatible with those needed uh, for a low-carbon transition. So that includes, say, uh, skills for geothermal, mining for the energy minerals, but also, say, offshore wind and, and other aspects. So that's also an opportunity. It means that these workers can be transitioned. So three key opportunities I mentioned there. In terms of the challenges, I think there could be a huge list, but maybe uh, I will focus on some key aspects. I think I've touched on one of the first ones is what kinds of green jobs are we talking about? And most importantly, who has access to these green jobs? So it's all fair and well to say that there will be more green jobs created, but Will vulnerable groups or those that may not have you know formal training have access to them those that are basically not represented in statistics and the, the formal labor market um, and that's a gap and actually through our WBA methodology we see that there's not uh well there's still a gap in terms of companies engaging with vulnerable groups or even having gender diversity and we know that this is really important and you know decent jobs also means you know high higher wages and and again and in some some cases, Obviously, there's a huge potential with renewables and clean energy, but we need to make sure these jobs are well-paying jobs and with decent contracts. So the first one would be decent jobs. Second one would be, where are these jobs created as a challenge? Because if you look at countries such as India or even in the US or other countries, often what you'll see is that the renewable energy potential is not based in the same regions where there will be coal mines. So what that means is that as there is a shift to a low-carbon economy, the new green jobs, People who benefit from the new jobs, whether that's direct or indirect workers, uh, will not necessarily be former coal workers or you know other workers impacted by the low carbon economy. So I think we need to be careful to say that just transition is not just again going to be as simple as a shift from one type of technology to another. There needs to be a plan in terms of how do you diversify those economies. You know you can talk about public private partnerships re-industrial policy. There's many things, but I think that's, that regional mismatch is a, is, is a challenge. And maybe I'll mess and just mention actually one uh, last one, and, and we could discuss this so much more, but the time horizon is one. And I think some companies are really understanding that just transition is not just a cost, it's an opportunity, and it's a long run opportunity because of the business case I mentioned. But we see this from our oil and gas benchmark that there's still too many oil and gas companies that are using the current environment as an excuse not to do enough. I mean, we've seen the soaring profits and so little uh, invested actually in Just Transition or even developing a Just Transition strategy. I mean, some companies have definitely invested more in clean energy. But when we looked at the Just Transition scores, there's actually been a decrease from a previous iteration of the oil and gas benchmark in 2021 to 2023. So this goes to show that there needs to be thinking about just transition, not just in times of economic downturns, such as COVID, when we know the impacts this had on the oil and gas industry, but thinking ahead of time because of, of the boom and bust nature of this industry. So, the, the, these are some of the opportunities and challenges I mentioned, and I'm happy to to mention more, but maybe I'll pass it on to Savannah to complement anything I've said.
2: Thanks, Joachim. I think the challenges and the opportunities that you have highlighted here are definitely the most fundamental ones. And I think I'm probably just going to build on to what you have said. In terms of taking the challenges of a just transition, I need to take a step back and just reiterate that a transition to a net zero economy is not just if you're not incorporating workers' needs, reskilling them, repurposing them, and ensuring that they are a part of the future. And a really big problem with these big producing companies is that they are missing, really missing the mark of the human centered approach, the justice part. And this is becoming a really big challenge. And I know that. A lot of businesses are struggling with this today, and that's why WBA's uh, Just Transition methodology is so diverse, because it really helps companies position themselves to ensure that their stakeholder engagement, to ensure that you are planning a more human-centered approach. In the work that I've been doing, I sit on the research side of Just Transitions in our climate and decarbonization team. We've started seeing that there is a really, really big gap on indicators Two and five, which is the just transition planning and social protection and impact management, companies are scoring the lowest in these indicators. And it's actually a tragedy as well as a challenge because you are really missing the human-centered approach of this. And it's not going to serve companies any favors if you're not planning with your workers at the forefront of this. Uh, Touching on Joachim's comments about job losses, of course, there are going to be a lot of jobs that are going to fall through in this transition to a net zero economy as we accelerate ourselves to renewables. But this is also an opportunity because if we adequately plan for a just transition and understand the needs of workers and understanding how we can reskill them, how we can help them, we can actually adequately manage job losses and ensure that these jobs are green and decent through stakeholder engagement. Another one that I would like to touch on that Joachim also mentioned is that financing a transition to a net zero economy is a fundamental challenge. And I sometimes wonder if this is the reason why companies are not moving in a hurry. As Joachim mentioned, with the oil and gas benchmark that we have just launched, we see that divestment from oil and gas and investing into renewables is still not really happening. Companies are carrying on as a business per usual. but financing a transition is quite expensive, but it's obviously going to render long-term benefits in the long run. Um, I have quite a lot of experience in South Africa's energy landscape, and I do know that it's gonna cost over 6 trillion rand to finance a transition to a net zero economy in South Africa alone, which is a lot of money. And I can understand that the, the financial implications is quite a scary one for businesses to think about, but the opportunities in investing in renewables is going to inadequately soar out other profits for these companies. And looking more towards the opportunities, as I already mentioned, by adequately planning for a just transition, can create more job opportunities and ensuring stakeholder engagement and interacting with those who are going to be affected is going to put more positive light and actually ensure that justice is happening. And a just transition, as I've already reiterated, and I've probably repeated myself a few times, is justice cannot happen without people. And if we are not including people, we're not going to be able to ensure that nobody's left behind, like the ILO's uh, statements advocate for a just transition. By creating green and decent jobs, it's also going to contribute to the economy. It's going to accelerate the pace of renewables. And quite literally, we don't have enough time. I mean, we've been seeing all over the news that. We are reaching boiling points. I think this is the hottest summer in the past couple of decades, and there simply isn't enough time. Companies need to really accelerate their financing. They need to accelerate their engagement and commitment to stakeholder dialogue to ensure that we are really including people and we can move forward and use the Just Transition literally as a vehicle to drive change because there simply is not enough time.
0: Oh, you can just hear your passion because you're so close to it. You know the numbers, you know the detail, and therefore, you know, that kind of stark understanding of what the implications of not taking action will be. And therefore, I want to sort of delve into your practical advice. You know, if you're sitting within a company trying to get those companies to to sit up and, and understand why to invest in a just transition and to think about it properly, what would be the kind of pragmatic advice to someone? that you would share Joachim, would you mind going first
1: yeah of course so a couple of things here i think first of all the transition is happening right um and this is maybe most evident in the electricity sector but it's increasingly going to happen in other sectors whether you know even oil and gas if you think of peak production uh the fact that the demand is going to decline sooner than uh previously fought because of the acceleration for example of electric vehicles and the number of trends So the transition is happening, and increasingly so. And so it's more about how can businesses really come as the first movers in that transition. So that's, I think, important in terms of framing. The second point I emphasize is the planning. Like Savannah touched on this. We find that effective just transition planning is is currently a weak spot for many companies. Less than 1% of the 300 companies we've assessed so far, so these are multinational companies, Have effective just transition planning. So this means actually a strategy of how you're engaging with the stakeholders, the types of targets you set up in the long term of how are you going to protect your workforce, how you're going to engage with your business relationships, local communities. And I mean this is extremely important. And you can see this also in the types of jobs you see in the market. There's a huge amount of uh, new jobs that are created at the company level in terms of having people on, you know, head of sustainability or ESG, which is great. I think that's what we need and we, we can you know talk about our methodology the act methodology as well for climate but i haven't seen yet and and we i mean there's some companies um some electricity companies that do have that just transition mandate but i haven't seen yet so many just transition related officers or you know jobs created for that person to have a mandate to say okay how am i going to implement this within the company strategy and most importantly how am I able to implement the strategy? How am I going to work with the CEO, the CFO, the COO, or through the different teams? Because if that's not in place, it, it, the risk is that just transition is kind of going to remain this afterthought, and we're not going to see the effect of planning. So I think embedding that within the company strategy is extremely important. The second point I'd say is that companies can lobby to do more good. And what I mean by that is that we're actually seeing in terms of the advocacy for just transition that it's currently low. Maybe that's a reflection of the fact that companies still don't fully understand this concept and how it applies to them. But I would also think that as they become more aware through methodology such as ours, but work of the ILO and others, they should basically advocate for this because they should, they should really collaborate with governments and social partners on how to ensure that climate legislation and um, climate policy is embedding this just transition element. So essentially what I'm trying to get at is when you have green fiscal policy or when you have investment plans or, you know, uh, different types of policies put in place, how do you ensure these policies take into account some of the the concerns companies can have and so that they can actually be held accountable, but also have the right incentives to develop just transition. So it's this enabling environment, which is really important. The second, maybe a third point I'd, I'd emphasize as well is, probably there's quite a few companies in in sectors where just transition hasn't been discussed as much. So for example, maybe transport or heavy industries where they can learn more about what just transition is and how they can implement. it. So there are training courses available out there beyond our own methodology. Um, I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the global deal initiative, which WBA has done, and it's, it's launching now some training courses on Workforce reconciliation and different aspects of just transition and concretely, how do you work with the unions? Uh, there can be things like global framework agreements where unions will work directly with a company to embed just transition across its whole value chain. So it's it could be almost even more encompassing than, say, collective bargaining. And then also what I emphasize is really for a company to think, again, across its value chain. And this means two things to me. One of them is, where are the company's assets based? Uh, it's possible for example that a company will have the majority of its assets in a jurisdiction where there is effective just transition legislation and so it's easier for the company to work with public authorities on uh you know crafting incentives and so on that 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 will support its own just transition strategy but maybe that's not so much the case for some of its assets based in other markets and that's really important because there needs to be that whole value chain approach so I think that's That's something definitely that is key. And I mentioned the global framework agreements, but also ensuring the company is proactive and not just relying on other legislation is is, is also important. And, And yeah, and I think maybe the last one is that there's no blueprint. Some companies may have already transitioned their energy intensive assets to more clean energy assets, or some companies may be more vertically integrated so they can more easily engage with suppliers. But just transition applies to all companies. So, for example, even if a company um, has already transitioned, that doesn't mean that there are no just elements, right? They still need to think about, okay, well, how were, I don't know, my solar panels or wind turbines manufactured? Were there human rights violations embedded in that? Was there proper environmental social impact assessment conducted when I'm developing a solar park or wind farm? There's so many considerations to this that it's kind of always necessary, actually, to have this just transition thinking for, for companies.
2: Thanks, Joachim. And I think all the points that you've mentioned are really, really critical for businesses to consider and just to kind of build on the things that you've said. And also for me to reiterate that a a just transition needs to have no one being left behind and companies can, from a practical perspective, uh, building on what you were saying, Joachim, is companies from a practical perspective can start internally by setting up a Just Transition office, building on your ESG teams, ensuring that you've got enough researchers, enough impact officers on board to kind of help companies accelerate their change and help them accelerate their thinking and planning for a transition. If you look at WBA's Just Transition methodology, as well as our core social indicators, you can start literally right now thinking about, well, do we have a a human rights policy? Are we paying our workers minimum wage? Are we interacting with stakeholders in an effective manner? Is it transparent? How are we remunerating these people when we think about changing their jobs, when we eventually move over to a net zero economy? By literally starting internally and thinking about your human rights and your just transition fundamentals, you can already as an organization start accelerating your change at a rate that's It's going to be influential a lot of people are going to look at organizations who are actually effectively thinking about their workers and that's why i really encourage companies to read our methodologies interact with our scorecards on our website you can see which companies are scoring quite poorly and which companies are scoring quite great and what what are they doing what are these people doing to ensure that workers are really at the center I also think another way that companies can do more good is also educating yourselves. I mean, the Just Transition concept is quite broad, and there's a lot of policies and there's a lot of frameworks, like Joachim is saying. And although it's really important to sign up to all of these initiatives and to participate, the action is really needed. And through educating yourselves, companies becoming aware, setting up these Just Transition or sustainability teams, you can really, really advocate for change. And instead of talking about it, really implement it. And that's why I also encourage companies to really lean into your your workers' base. You really need to interact with them. You're not going to understand their needs by not having effective and transparent dialogue. I mean, a lot of the companies that we have assessed will have commitments to some form of engagement, but this is not meaningful engagement. It's not ensuring that there is conversation, that there's negotiation with trade unions. And I feel like it's quite a loss for a lot of businesses if you're not really incorporating that really critical feedback, because the person at the top level of the company is not going to understand what the bottom worker is really experiencing. And that's why it can really be an opportunity when thinking about a just transition from a practical perspective for companies to really get involved with communicating and engaging And setting up transition offices, really review your policies and your frameworks and ensure that you are indeed respecting human rights. I mean, in our buildings benchmark, zero companies that we assessed, they all scored zero for just transition planning. And I think it's quite a tragedy that companies are not really leveraging on their negotiation and engagement with workers to adequately plan for the future. So I really want to emphasize that that's a way
0: that companies could
2: quite literally accelerate their transition oh your passion
0: there savannah totally and i will um once again i'll put the links to those uh scorecards so that you anybody who's listening um can find out actually sort of what that means in in reality and and really bring that advice from savannah and joachim together with uh, the, the kind of practical implications um i wanted to then sort of reach into savannah perhaps sticking with you what should businesses expect from the World Benchmarking Alliance as you progress the work on Just Transition? Um, How do you see this work evolving for businesses and, and the consequences of it?
2: Thanks so much, Katie. I'll keep my response quite short. But in the research team, what I can say is that we will be definitely responsible for ensuring that our work evolves as the Just Transition concept kind of unfolds. I mean, like I said, Just Transition is still quite broad. And there's a lot of different policies, principles, and frameworks that companies can engage with. And as WBA, we are aiming to ensure that our work is up to date. I think we are going to carry on with our benchmarking across all of our transformations. And we're going to ensure that the work that we are producing is relevant. It's showing the key aspects of this kind of research, why it's important. And I think it's an opportunity for businesses to lean into our methodologies and to kind of essentially watch the space as we continuously evolve. But I'll hand over to Joachim for more responses on this.
1: Thanks, Savannah. And, and it's great to see all the synergies and the answers we're providing. No, I'd say uh, exactly what Savannah said. Uh, to start with, we're likely to see that we're shift, going to shift more towards an implementation phase, and I think that's started to happen. That this mindset. The question is. As Savannah was saying, how can companies use existing methodologies such as those of the BBA, but other tools out there to really uh, not just have a pledge and, 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 you know, far in the future, but really think through their strategy and how they can actually implement this. I, I mentioned this a bit earlier that there's been a growth in the Just Transition movement in the number of commitments we've seen. For example, there is what we call the Race to Zero, which is a, a UN-led race to for companies to really accelerate their shift to net zero. And there is a pledge within that, that engagement to have more just transition. But I think really moving to the implementation phase will be really key, and, and we can support through the work we're doing how to operationalize the ILO guidelines. Another point, I think, which is important is that we're seeing increasingly these voluntary but also mandatory climate disclosures happening. There's the work of the International Sustainability Standards Board which is trying to harmonize these disclosures, but there's work in the EU with the European Sustainable Regul- Regulatory Standards. There's the work in the UK, the Transition Plan Task Force. To keep it simple, um, companies are being asked to show how they are aligning with the low-carbon scenario and how what is their plan, what is their transition plan to do that. And, and that's where our climate methodology comes in. But interestingly, within these different requirements, we're seeing increasingly just transition being weaved in. So, for example, uh, ISSB mentioned that it is looking to integrate just transition. We don't yet know exactly how that will happen, but it's interesting to see this. We know at the EU level that human rights due diligence, but other just transition aspects will very are going to be and very likely to be embedded. And even in, in, in economies where maybe there's not mandatory climate disclosures, there is an interesting weaving in of the just transition part with ESG. So, for example, there are some developments in Brazil of having an ESG racial equity index. Which I think is 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 interesting and relevant about how our companies ensuring that there's more diversity of their workforce, for example. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more requirements for companies, just like there is in climate, to develop these just transition plans. With potential challenges for companies that are not able to show any progress on this. Another aspect which we haven't gone too much into today and would require more thought is about the climate litigation angle. I think. We're all aware that there's been a growth in climate litigation, both in the global north and south. But actually, I was reading how there's starting to be an increase in litigation based on just transition grounds. So as just transition legislation and disclosure requirements are increasingly weaved in, it's possible, it's it's not imaginable to think that companies may be litigated on by workers or there could be uh, civil society actions taken for a lack of just transition implementation. So remains to be seen how this plays out in the future, but this could be a trend to look at as well.
0: Watch this space, everybody, it's evolving and it's going fast. And and therefore I wanted to round off our conversation today. I I feel like we've sort of scratched the surface of some of your expertise, but at the same time, to sort of try and keep this short and succinct. What's next personally for you?
2: Sure, thanks Katie. Um, In terms of what's next for me, I'm going to be working with our climate and energy team on our electric utilities benchmark and carry on with our benchmarking processes within the organization. Um, The electric utilities benchmark is due to be launched in November, which is really exciting. The sector is probably the best for scoring on just transitions. So I'm really excited to see what companies are doing if If these companies have improved since the 2021 iteration, it's going to be exciting to see how the statistics pull out. Also, going to be working quite close with Joachim, and I'll let him elaborate later on all the engagement opportunities, but help support the team with the multiple moving parts that are going to happen. And also, just help with ensuring that our just transition methodology and our narrative and our thinking is really up to date. And we are on the cutting edge of research, as as I said. This space is evolving, it's evolving fast. And I think it's our our position is to really help businesses use our information and use our methodologies and our frameworks to drive change. So in terms of what's next for the future, to manage this uh, methodology, to really work with companies on ensuring that we can drive change is also something I'm going to personally try to do more of.
1: And so what's great is to see that we're really working together between the research and engagement teams three key projects that I mentioned initially at the start of this podcast, I'll be looking to see some of the developments that happen at COP28 on just transition. So at COP27, there was a specific just transition work program that was announced. As you may imagine, with uh, some of these climate negotiations, there were some tough discussions between um, different blocks of countries on what the mandate of this work program should be, who should be in charge, and so on. So as we think about engagement, I'm really looking to see how can we inform this work program and also making sure that we can have this data to support public-private partnerships and better incentives for companies? So that's something I'm looking into. There will also be some concluding work uh, on the business brief that I talked about, some of the, the UN work and I think, um, yeah, a key, um, and, and the global deal work. And I think a key one moving forward is that I'm trying to convene different experts uh, that are working on this topic specifically on how to measure and track just transition, and what type of uh, guidance can be provided with the various data that uh, uh, different experts have out there, whether that's tracking what's happening from governments at a national, subnational level, at a sector level, or more at a company level based on what WBA does. So really excited to uh, be working on all these projects.
0: Uh, Well, I just want to wish you all the very best, Savannah, Joachim, for all the work that you have in plan. But also a massive thank you for joining us and sharing so succinctly the process and progress with regards to the Just Transition work that you've gone underway. For anybody listening, if you want to get in touch, you want to find out more, I will make sure that we put links into the chat and the words that sit alongside uh, this podcast so that you can continue on this journey. It is not complete. And definitely would love to find out how that um, COP28 uh, Just Transition work flow sort of continues in expectation. So perhaps we might <laughs> might put it in the diary to get you back in here and, and share a bit um, from there. But for now, Jekim, Savannah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Katie. It's a pleasure being here.
0: Thanks, Katie. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.